The scripture today is from Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, You came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who works for those who wait for them. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we had sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider... We are all your people. May God bless the reading of his word today. This is the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent in the Christian calendar is a time when we wait and prepare uh, in anticipation of Christ's birth anew uh, uh, on December 25th, on Christmas Day. Uh, And it's a time when we... uh, historically kind of prepare ourselves and we uh, open ourselves up to what God has uh, to reveal to us in new birth, in Jesus coming again for the every year as we go through this cycle. It's also a time historically when there's been a lot of anticipation of Christ coming again we tend to not focus on that so much around here, but you, uh, it is indeed part of the Advent history. And um, oddly, this morning, we're beginning uh, Advent talking about hope. Uh, of course, the four Sundays of Advent have the, the themes of uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. And uh, then finally, uh, on Christmas Day, we celebrate Jesus being born, bringing all of those things into the world. And today we begin with hope, but we begin with uh, 3rd Isaiah's lament from Isaiah 64, where Isaiah in the post-exile world longs for Jesus, longs, I'm sorry, longs for God to rip open the heavens and just come down here and make things happen. And uh, the author of Isaiah kind of follows a, a typical lament pattern in the Bible of, uh, of honoring God and remembering all of the great deeds of God. And what Isaiah says is that in the past when you would come down and the mountains would quake, but now you hide yourself from us. Where are you? Why don't you act? And the author of Isaiah is 
begging God to intervene in the world and to bring about and take care of God's people in much the same way God had done in the past. God who liberated the Hebrew people from Egyptian slavery and brought them out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea and delivered them out into the Promised Land. The God who, who uh, in, in Elijah, uh, sent a pillar of fire to vanquish the prophets of the god Baal and, and put them in their place. The God who wrote on the wall to make a very clear message in Daniel. The God who uh, brought the walls of Jericho down and delivered God's people into the promised land. Where is that kind of God now? Isaiah wonders in our text today. Where are you now? Why don't you do that anymore? Where's the show? Where's the big intervention? Why don't you come and, and take care of us? It's this deep and passionate longing. And throughout our history, at many times along the way, the people of God have longed for God's clear, dynamic, powerful intervention into the world. They longed for it when uh, empire after empire took over Israel and subjugated God's people from the, the, the uh, Babylonians on up through the Macedonians, on up through the Chaldeans, on up through Rome. Over and over again, people longed for God to intervene somehow. And in, when Jesus came along, in fact, they had been longing for and calling out for and preparing for and watching for God's mighty intervention in the form of a Messiah. Send us your Messiah. And as they looked through the history of God's people, what they saw was that God was prepared in the past to send a Messiah who would lead God's people with a mighty army and would show God's power and would vanquish evil and would vanquish all the foes of God and return them to the greatness they once had. That's why they knew that God's Messiah would come out of the house of David because David was a great king. There was no one greater than David in the, in the history of God's people. And that's what we need now, is we need David to come back and lead God's people to victory. But this time with a, an angelic army and the fire of God at His command. They longed for God's mighty intervention. And who can blame them? Looking around the world these days, how often have we kind of looked back and longed for God's mighty and powerful, dynamic and clear intervention? And who among us, can we be honest, haven't wondered, why doesn't the God who delivered God's people from Egypt, why couldn't that God deliver God's people from Hitler. 
Why couldn't that God deliver God's people from, you fill in the blank, this disaster, that disaster, World War I, World War II? Pick your conflict. Pick your oppression. Pick your injustice. Pick your tragedy. Where is God? Why doesn't God just tear open the heavens and come down and make mountains quake? I bet those atheists would shut up then, right? <laughs> Why doesn't God do that? But even Isaiah seems to recognize that maybe God just doesn't work that way. But the God... Uh, the God we worship and the God we interact with has a different way and a different plan for us. When the people of God cried out and cried out and cried out, God answered, but in a way no one expected. And a little poor bastard child... <laughs> Born in a backwater town in Judah. I shouldn't say that. He had, Joseph stepped up, right? And took over, took things for seriously there. So, but, <laughs> but uh, unwed mother. Difficult circumstances. This was not the Messiah anyone was expecting. This was not the Messiah anyone was praying for. This was not the kind of dynamic intervention everyone was expecting and yet when the people cried out God acted God heard God responded and our our hope is not in some great pillar of fire that comes and vanquishes all of our foe our hope is not grounded in some miraculous event like the parting of the Red Sea. Our hope is not grounded in God articulating God's self in very clear terms by writing things on the wall. Our hope is not found in, in the desire for God to fix all of our problems with, with God's miraculous and dynamic intervention. Our hope is found in this. We are the clay. You are the potter. That's it. We are the clay. You are the potter. God is the potter willing to mold us, to make us, to shape us, to point us in a direction, to show us the kingdom of God, to be Emmanuel, God with us. God the potter. Not God the warrior. Not God the pillar of fire. Not God the miraculous fixer of every problem. But the God who shapes who we are and calls us to be who we can be. And who goes so far as to send us Jesus to show us what that shape kind of looks like. Where to go and what to, how to follow. 
what the kingdom of God could be. We allow ourselves to be the clay and allow God the potter. Shape us to the people of God that we long to be, that God desires us to be. That is our hope. I guess as we enter into this season of Advent, this season of anticipation and preparation, uh, the invitation is for us to prepare ourselves by being clay, by opening up ourselves to the molding of God's hand. And that is how God intervenes in the world today. That is how God transforms and shapes and changes and moves through shaping us as a people and empowering us to make the world the way God intended it to be. With God's help. Infilling of the Holy Spirit.